Hi, everyone. I'm Dawn Richard, also known as The Awakening with Dawn, and this is the Wake Up to Real Love podcast, where we share stories of struggles and triumphs in love, sex, and relationships, along with expert advice to create more conscious connections. I am really impressed with this couple that I have on today. They are um, young in physical form, but ancient in their wisdom and consciousness. Andy Horry and Kat Francis, I am so excited that and honored that you um, agreed to come on my show. Yay! Thank you. And Andy, uh, you're a video coach and an artist of many forms. You're very creative. You love to express yourself limitlessly and follow your intuition over your rational mind. I can tell through all these videos that I watched. <laughs> and Kat, um, you are a student mentor at Leeds College of Music, and you have recently reunited and reconnected with your music and creative expression, which yeah. is so important. And I know we're going to dive deep into that part of this conversation. Um, yeah. Kat is a singer, and she's also started writing poems. And Andy and Kat have been a couple for seven and a half years, which is amazing, like amazing. A lot of people of all ages don't last that long, right? Um, you guys have started documenting your lives as a couple in the form of a web series, which you plan on releasing episodes sometime this year. This is really fascinating. And we're going to dive into that. But after I ask you a question about okay. the about the car wash. The car wash. Working at the car oh, wash. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah. Was um, that last night? Um, no, that was. Um, when was? It? Oh, that was Saturday night. The Saturday just gone. It was uh, an open air disco. Tell me in, about it. It was an open air. It was an open air seventies themed disco in the middle of Leeds. Oh and my it, was a, gosh. it was a great laugh. It was so much fun. There were loads of people there. There was like, what was it like, three thousand people there? It was really wow. Great. So was was Rose Royce there, or it was just somebody singing their music? Um, it was it was a DJ set. There was actually no singers um, uh -huh. or, or live performance, but but people were dancing up on stage. Yeah, so they had dancers and they had a DJ and they had um, they just had loads of stuff going on. And different was, characters, like there was a guy that was like a kung fu kind of dancing disco yeah. guy, and then there was like a, a guy that was more camp and uh, dancing like. Yeah, there's like loads of different characters. Basically. Yeah, they kind of had really stereotypical um, sort of seventies disco characters. Uh -huh. that, like, uh -huh. So it was, yeah, it was really fun. I was I was expecting your big sparkle top, but you had these cool shades on, and you the guys were down and back. Yeah, <laughs> I couldn't keep them on for long though because it was so dark. I couldn't really see what was going. on. Yeah, I've got, I've got a little bit of a video clip of Cat as well. I might be yeah. thinking of putting in the documentary somewhere. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah it was a good one. Yeah. Really okay, so my next question, and Andy, can you come like a little bit closer because yeah. you're yeah. a little That's bit sort of yeah. like... It's a bit awkward because this chair's a bit... Yeah, yeah. I sat on a pumping chair at the moment. There we go. Yeah, now, okay, now I can hear you better. Okay, yeah. so my first question is how does a woman who loves disco music, find this guy who's into total metal. <laughs> um, what I is think, up with that? How did that happen? 
<laughs> I, I actually have a really uh, wide... I, I do love music and I love all different types of genres and uh, I do actually like metal as well. Uh-huh. So, um, it, so it does, yeah, so in, in sort of, in the singing that I've done, it's it's been more like pop music and soul music. Uh-huh. Um, but Andy, you're interested in, in all different types of music too, so yeah. it's kind of like, uh, like some people might not like Andy's music and think, oh, it's too extreme, but I, I, see it's I kind of see its place in the world and I kind of see um the use of expression and and I can appreciate it Uh Um, I might not necessarily like all of the types of music that Andy listens to but Uh what what do you appreciate about metal um I see it as uh, the way that they're expressing sort of through this sound that sounds it kind of sounds terrifying but at the same time yeah. it almost feels but it kind of like feels cathartic as well mm-hmm. um and kind of like sometimes we end up headbanging together as well uh-huh. <laughs> and that's really fun i really enjoy that yeah uh-huh uh, yeah because you're because your documentary um andy tell me again what it's called it's called the uh, british black metal the extreme underground yeah Okay, so I'll put that in the show notes too, so people can look it up. But they do talk about the all the layers of the sounds that they use to create the metal music. That's right. And so all of these layers are to express these various stories. And and you have talked also, um, you know, because in the world is all this light and love, right? All these light and love messages, and I yep. think are you drawn to this metal music because of the darkness and sort of shadow aspects that it, that it talks about? You want to yeah, talk about that a little bit? Yeah. Yeah. I've definitely been drawn to that as in my life and um, also melancholy and other, other, other sort of sides of life of, other than just um, the really ecstatic happiness or whatever. Uh-huh. I, I, so I just enjoy being in the other states. So that kind of what was what got me into metal and other genres in that kind of, because so many subgenres inside metal, and I just explored all of them really. I just remember getting to a point where it was like I had to keep pushing the envelope in terms of what I was listening to. So it's like started with like new metal, which is like rap and metal mixed together, and then and then like um, that's kind of what got what, what got me into the rest. So I like kind of got in because I already liked rap, and then got into that because I liked the um, the mix of the aggression with the rapping, and then got into like uh, other things like thrash metal and metalcore and other thing and death metal and black metal so like there's, there's all these different types I, I don't i don't know all these sub subgroups <laughs> yeah there's a lot of that's the thing it's like um i think metal's one of those genres that's got so much room for experimentation so uh-huh. that's what's interesting about it and that's that's one of the reasons i wanted to do the documentary about that because i just saw how much how much diversity there was in it and it thought this, this is an interesting topic to be able to show how much variation there is in it uh-huh. that's what like about artist artistic expression and music is, uh-huh. is when you've got variation. Uh-huh. And what do you appreciate about Kat's, um, you know, bigger preferences of, you said sort of soul and. Yeah. Oh, is that for me that question? Yeah. Yeah. Your, yeah. Question for you. What do you appreciate in Kat's preference of music? Well, I enjoy, I enjoy like funk and stuff, which Kat enjoys. Like, yeah. yeah. Both, she got me into Jamaraquai. Uh-huh. Um, so I was like listening to that now, um, and I didn't even know. I mean, I know the artist, but I couldn't even remember how to pronounce the name. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. But I also like. Uh, I've, I've always liked um, funk and, and sort of 
um, or the this sort of bands that have funk influences and, and groove yeah. influences, like I liked Regis Machine for uh-huh. a long time, and um, yeah, and they've obviously got a massive funk influence. So you know that I've always enjoyed bands that have got a groove to them, and then like it mixes well with metal. So like the heaviness and the groove together. Uh huh. So so I like that. Anyways, that's always been drawn to groove and stuff like that. <laughs> yeah, because I because I'm a funk girl. I like hip hop. So yeah. that's 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 yeah, my yeah. style. Yeah, like <laughs> that's it, that's it. I, I like that as well. But there's yeah. there's another guy that I really like called Tech Tech Nine, and he's a he's a hip hop guy, but he mixes it in with other styles. And metal's one of the styles that he kind of mixes in sometimes. Like one of his his um, records was called um, Ever Ready, which definitely had some metal influence, and also uh, KOD, which had some metal influence. And he's got this kind of this theme of being evil and like having an evil brain. An angel heart, so he's got this big heart, but he's got this this evil side to him, and he's like he kind of expresses it, and he's like got this really percussive kind of attack on the mic, so it sounds almost metal because it's like kind of stuff like that, and it's like whoa, she's got so much energy, and it's like it feels like metal, but it's mixed with the kind of rap atmosphere, so it's kind of crazy. It's it's fascinating how people can create so much. You know, it's like there's there's an unlimited potential of possibilities of creation yeah i'm actually seeing him as well next next week in leeds so that'll be interesting <laughs> cool yeah. that'll be an and that'll be a great experience yeah definitely he's a, he's a really original unique artist and you know someone that's leading the way for hip-hop uh-huh uh-huh and so um okay so andy told andy and i talked last week for a little bit to get to know each other and he told me the story of how the two of you met and started dating. But I want Kat's perspective. Okay. How did, how did this happen? Because it's sort of unusual. Yeah, it, it is an unusual tale. And, uh, and often people are shocked when I tell them what happened. Um, so I was working in Leeds City Centre um, one evening. And, and I had a job handing out leaflets. And um, in the centre where I was working, Andy was there. Um, and I think at the time you, you had a girlfriend, didn't you? Yeah. And, and he was at the time. Yes, he, yes he did. He told me. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so he was, he was waiting for his girlfriend while I was there handing out the leaflets. Um, and at the time, like in, in that moment, I just felt this um, urge to just speak to him or it was like my intuition was saying, go and speak to this person. Uh-huh. Um, and I fought it for a bit. I was like, oh, this is a bit weird. I don't know what I'm doing and what's going to happen. But in the end, I was just like, right, well, I find this guy attractive. So I'm just going to take the risk and I'm just going to go up to him and and talk to him. So what I did is um, I wrote I wrote my name on um, one of the leaflets that I had uh-huh. so that he could add me on Facebook. That was sly. Yeah. So I was like, so I went up to him and I was... And I and I, I spoke to you a little bit, and then I said, um, "Oh, this is my here. Find me on Facebook. Give him a leaflet." And then after that, I said, have, "Oh, have you got a girlfriend?" And he said, "Yeah." And I was like, "Oh well, maybe just throw that leaflet in the bin." <laughs> and as I walked away, I was thinking, "Oh no, I could be in some really big trouble here." <laughs> <laughs> and uh, so that so that's how uh, we met. Was that I got this this urge to do it? it I can't. It's so difficult to explain, but it was like a calling from some other, you know, like like you could say from the universe to just yeah. tell, just telling me to do it. Like, mm-hmm. and it was almost like there wasn't another option. That was what I needed to do. 
Uh huh. And you tr- and you trusted your intuition and actually followed it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And uh, and and I think there were things at the time, especially just before I did it, there were things going on in my mind like, oh, women don't normally do this, and you know, they were the kind of beliefs that I was brought that I was brought up with, and many people around me kind of had. So it was like, a woman doesn't do that. What what are you doing? That's that's like the man that does things like that, and. And uh, I'm also, people also uh, know me as quite a quiet person as well. So I'm quite introverted. So they were shocked that I went and did something <laughs> extroverted. And, and yeah. I was shocked too, but it's amazing what you can do when you're, when you're under that influence, if you see what I mean, when you have that calling. Well, it's like really pushing you out of your comfort zone. Yeah. 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 And, and you think... Um, no, I, d- I don't want to pay attention to this message. This makes me feel uncomfortable and awkward yeah. and embarrassed. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it was, it was really, it was scary because I'd, I'd, um, I'd had instances like that before where I'd had uh-huh. the feelings to do that, but this was one of the strongest ones I'd ever had. And it was like, wow, what is this urge I'm feeling? What is this? Almost like I just had these hands behind me, like almost pushing me towards it. <laughs> Oh, I've got no choice here. <laughs> <laughs> just like magnetic, you know. Exactly, yeah. <laughs> so, so, uh, so how did so how did it go from okay, here's my leaflet to seven and a half years later? My gosh, how did I mean? What happened? What happened? It was uh, effective marketing. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, pretty much. <laughs> Because, because obviously he could have just thrown it in the bin, right, Kat? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I, I was surprised you didn't. Actually. In a way, it's a push-pull thing, wasn't it, really? Yeah, yeah. Or pull-push. <laughs> yeah. So why, why do you think that he responded to you? Um, well, at the time that, that he was waiting for his girlfriend, uh, obviously I found this out afterwards, was yeah. that he was going through a difficult time in his, in his relationship that he was in. Uh-huh. Uh, and I think when I did go up to him, I was coming across as I was, I was coming from a genuine place and my true self. Uh-huh. And I think he, and I think you responded positively to that. And I think he could see that mm. um, because I, I had no choice but to be this true authentic self because that's what had taken over me at the time that told uh-huh. me to do it. If you see uh-huh. what I mean? Uh-huh. So, yeah, that's true. Yeah. I feel the genuineness. Yeah. To you. Yeah. Um, so it kind of like came at a time when you were struggling in your previous relationship. Uh-huh. Well, um, yeah. And I was like, yeah. I've got my options now. I can see, I <laughs> yeah. can see what to do with that. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I got some new options. <laughs> yep. That's right. So, the, universe, the universe was like, had a plan for me, you know, so Andy, what propelled you to, to get in touch with Kat and, and start this, you know, blossoming relationship. Yeah, but it was the struggles that I was having with my own relationship. And it was my, I stayed in a relationship for too long, basically. And it was like, I should have, or I think it was like, I was staying in a relationship for wrong reasons, basically. And it was like, this was like a, a gateway for me. It was like, there's an opportunity now. So it was like, okay, I've got to leap. leap <laughs> so, so, Kat, so Kat was your gateway drug. so how so let me ask you like what sort of um what's 
first of all, what attracted you to each other? What attracted you to each other initially when you first started communicating? Um, so on that, on that night that I saw Andy for the first time and I, and I spoke to him and gave him the leaflet, I was attracted to, oh, well, I like the way he looked. Um, he was <laughs> aesthetically pleasing. Uh-huh. And he still is. He still is. And uh, but there was something about his energy that was, that felt right. It, it was almost as if like, I didn't feel threatened by him. I didn't feel like um, he had a hidden agenda. It felt uh-huh. like I could go to this person and talk to them. Uh-huh. He felt safe. And fe- yeah, and feel safe. Uh-huh. Um, and, and, you know, I genuinely didn't know him, so I didn't feel that. So uh-huh. that's initially what attracted me to him. Uh-huh. And what about, what about for Andy? What, what, did, what attracted you to Kat? I think, well, I guess the brave, the brave uh, move was, was uh, attractive and just just the energy that you had seemed uh, sweet and genuine. So. Yeah. <laughs> uh-huh. And so let me ask how, okay, because seven and a half years is, a, is basically time for you guys to grow up, right? You're still yeah. quite, you're still quite young compared to me. <laughs> um, mm-hmm. But how has your relationship evolved over this last seven and a half years? Um, I think when we, when we first got together, although we both felt this positive energy from each other, we were still both very much in a childish place. Um, I mean, I was 19 and you were 17. He was 17 when Mm -hmm. we got together. And I think in the evolution of our relationship, we've, we've both been growing together and turning into, so we, we, one thing, one important thing that we had to do was we had to stop identifying as kids. So not as a boy and a girl, but as a man and a woman. Right. And more recently, that's something that we've been focusing on is uh-huh. getting out of that um, idea that we're still 17 and 19. Uh-huh. Um, even yeah. though, so even though a lot of times internally we do feel like a young girl and a young boy. Yeah. I mean, I, you know, it's like as, as you age, you experience all of, you know, all of you, like the, um, you know, the, the child aspect of you, the adolescent, um, yeah. you know, the young adult, the older adult, the wise crone, you know, mm-hmm. towards the end of your life. It's like you have all of these aspects simultaneously that you, um, yeah. resonate with yeah yeah and I think we we kind of go through those quite a lot in our relationship um but more recently we've been trying to ground ourselves in these uh, in these ideas that we're not we're not children anymore and uh-huh. we are growing together and, yeah and, I think that's when it comes yeah. to the, the sexual side of things as well yeah. when, when you're a man or a woman and, and not being ashamed of your sexuality or anything like that removing the shame yeah and being in alignment with it and and be and being okay with um, with the pleasure without any any shame as well that kind of thing. Uh huh. Yeah. So so how has so how has that aspect of your relationship changed from a boy and a girl to a man and a woman? So initially in our relationship, in in sexual terms, it was kind of like very, you know, like we we were at. We, Andy would often come to my house and I live with my parents so it'd often be like oh you know 
have have sex quietly so no one hears you and, and that kind of thing and it was very much like a it it became sort of quite repetitive like we'd meet we'd have sex and then we'd maybe watch tv for an hour or, or whatever mm-hmm. and it, it kind of just became an expectation instead of an actual positive um connect you know experience mm-hmm. it just kind of became something like oh this is what we do mm-hmm um, but over time, as things have changed, we have become more expressive in our sexuality and we both have a deeper connection. And um, we we slow down sex more than what we used to do. Because yeah. it used to be like, oh, you've got to be quiet and, oh, let's let's do it quick and then it's then it's done. So now it's more like we, we take longer and, and we're more present with each other and we breathe with each other and, and that kind of thing. Yeah, it was like lustful yeah. before and now it's, yeah. now it's more conscious and um, it, yeah. you feel the connection more to the actual from soul to soul. And it's not just about the, um, the pleasure so much in terms of like physical. It's also about soul connection. I was going to say it's really more about exploration. Yeah. yeah. Like giving yourself... Um, and and especially as as you get older, you know you you change the things that you know you're interested in or the things that sort of affect you and impact you. So you're con- you're constantly evolving, anyways. Yeah. And and I feel like a lot of times, sex is more um, for for a lot of people is more like a goal, <laughs> like hey, let's do it and let's have an orgasm and then we're done. Yeah. You know, yeah. as opposed to, oh, who are you and what part of your body can I explore and what kind of your mind and imagination can I explore and what parts of me am I willing to explore with you? What parts of me am I willing to share with you so that it becomes more like, um, more, more like a film, Andy, really where you're, <laughs> where you're looking, where you're looking through the lens and you're trying to find new ways of looking at the same person. Yeah. 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 And I think more recently we, we, we have started to feel that more like we're both changing so much in terms of um, our connections with ourselves as well as each other. Um, mm-hmm. I mean, Andy has been amazing in the sense that he's helped me to liberate myself more as a woman. Mm-hmm. Um, in my previous relationship before Andy, sex was very much a, you know, this is what, you do because you're a woman if you Mm -hmm. you see what I mean um and I was never taught about that whole sexual liberation so it was kind of like for me although I still had sex there was an an unconscious part of it that was this is shameful Mm -hmm. that's why it had to be like okay we'll get this done quickly so then we can get the shame out of the way but but now I mean Andy has really slowed me down and and you know made me and looked at my body in a different way and, and helped me to look at my body in a different way, mm-hmm. um, which has then helped to liberate me mm-hmm. in, in a sexual sense. Yeah. I think I, I was just talking to somebody about, you know, for, for men, it's generally easy. Uh, oh, I don't know. Do, do men have a lot of body shame? Yeah. Um, yeah. I, I don't, in, in my experience, not as much as women, but there is still, so I think maybe it's more. I think it's getting worse. Women. Actually, I'd say it's getting worse in terms of the culture, but mm. I think it's still, you know, worse for women. And also, women have got this this fear of being called a slut, or like we like said in your open. Uh huh. Uh huh. Being shamed if you if you express your sexuality like out in the open, 
then there's there's the fear of that someone's going to say you're a slut or something and then yeah. a lot of women end up slut shaming them because they don't want to be the one that's slut shamed so then they become the one that does it instead of the one that receives it and um, then they'll limit their own sexuality as well uh-huh. Uh-huh. if they just empowered themselves and they didn't give a shit what everyone was calling them then it would be that's how you're empowered mm-hmm. you know Right. But I think, I think that's a process, um, you know, especially based on your partners because how your partner treats you Mm. reflects like, you know, either, wow, this is okay. And I feel really good about this or, Ooh, I don't feel good about this at all. Right. Mm. And so I think for women, um, cat, I mean, you can agree or, or not, but I feel like it's really, really important for a man to provide this really safe container for women to show up so that they can be more open about exploring themselves, not just on a sexual level, but at an emotional level, a a psychological level, a spiritual level, you know, so that you can, um, so that you can really figure out who you are and how you want to show up in the world and how you want to show up with your partner. Yeah, yeah, I I really agree with that because I think I think a woman can work on that herself alone, but I think having someone to help like her partner as well is is also really important. And I mean, and if it hadn't have been for what Andy had done for me and helping me to understand more about liberating my sexuality, I would probably still be in that same old mindset of let's have sex but let's get it over with. Mm-hmm. And I think as well, let's not talk about it. Yeah, and let's not definitely let's not talk about it. And and that kind of feeds into the next point as well, in that I always felt quite lonely in my sexual desires, particularly before I got with Andy, um, because it was never really spoken about. And that's obviously I'm sure a lot of people, generally speaking, would agree mm-hmm. with that. And I and I think as a woman, particularly, I, I felt like, oh, I don't know if I can talk about uh, sex and and particularly in my background in my family we didn't talk about sex it was you you learned about it at school school taught you you know how to get pregnant or what to do if you didn't want to get pregnant and and this, how to and how to get stds uh, yeah and meaning, I mean, meaning how not to get stds yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and, and, and this is what this part of the body does and this is what the male part of the body does and and that was it it was none of the this is the emotional connection. This is how you could use your sexual energy. It was just a very matter of fact. So I've, I've always felt quite isolated in my feelings about sex mm-hmm. um, and being sexually expressive. So, you know, now I'm with Andy and, and he provides that container for me. You know, my, my mental health has, has just been getting better and my sexual expression has been getting better as well. Mm-hmm. Uh, I just feel so much more comfortable. Mm-hmm. And don't you... I mean, you, I would like, Andy, I would like you to, to talk about this because <clears throat> I think a lot of men, boys to men, yeah. um, approach sex very goal-oriented. Like, I just want to have sex. I want to have an orgasm. You know, it's a physical need. And yeah, sure, I feel connected and maybe I'll cuddle a little bit and then I go on my merry way. But in order to have the most... Um, I'll just say well-rounded experience of sex is that you, you provide this safe container for the woman and that you allow, well, both you have to give as much 
you know, because it's, because it's so much quicker for men to receive, right? And to get to orgasm. And so I think a lot of times men just think that, you know, well, it just takes a few minutes and we'll just have a little foreplay and then that's done. And, you know, this is something that I've tried to share with my kids, much to their dismay, because they don't, you know, I mean, it's sort of awkward talking about with your parents. But if you want to have really great sex with a woman, you need to cater to her needs first. And by catering to her, she's going to open up and cater to you in a mind blowing and other blowing ways, you know? So that you can, so that you can have this just not only great physical experience, but have this incredible emotional, psychological, spiritual experience. Yeah, that's true. You do have to, I think, I think at times, I think a lot of the time I'd I'd known, kind of knew about it, but then you also do have failures as a man that all like, you think you feel like, oh, I could have done this better and then like move through it. And like you said, we do have a more goal goal oriented mind or like, we're just, we're just ready and we go. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and a woman's not ready straight away, so, so we've got to be aware of that. And then also you, you realise through exploration that if, you, if they're enjoying it, you enjoy it more. So it's yeah. just to not let them enjoy it because and, and you, you end up having this wisdom of like the more they enjoy it, the more I enjoy it. And obviously you have got this intuition to want, we all want to, other people to enjoy what we give them. So it's just natural for a human to do that and to, to, to slow down and be like, yeah, take it at your own pace. And obviously, I, I'll also be on a spiritual journey as well. You realize that slowing down is important anyway. So mm. seeing it as a spiritual journey and sex has been a vehicle for your sexual um, or spiritual involvement, then then it's, yeah, it makes you, it reminds you to slow down. And like, I'm already on a spiritual mission. This is a vehicle for my spiritual mission and soul mission. So uh-huh. that's kind of where I've looked at sex, especially over the past few years. Maybe before that, not so much, but when I was learning about spirituality after doing the documentary and stuff, that was, that was definitely how it changed things. Uh huh. It's like, and it's like the more, the more fun that you can have, you know, with your partner, the more pleasure that you can help your partner experience, you know, that, that it does like as a, as a man, I think men are really turned on when they see their woman turned on. Yeah. Mm. And so how great is that? Like, She's turned on, and this is great for me too. You know, it's yeah, it's, it's like yeah. call about the mirror neurons in it. When you see someone else happy, it gives you a happiness, right? Know, reflectors yeah. or mirrors, like yeah, right. Yeah. And I and I think too, um, you know, that men think, oh well, it takes women a little longer. It takes women a lot longer. Yeah. <laughs> you know, I mean, men, men, you you can't you can't have an orgasm on demand right? It's like you may get an erection pretty quickly, but you won't have an orgasm on demand. And it's the same way that our women's bodies take much more time and sensitivity in order to, you know, fully like engorge and be excited and then to have the possibility to be penetrated and have orgasm, you know? So, I mean, I've, I've been telling my kids like for women, it takes 20 to 45 minutes for a woman to be fully ready to receive a man. Mm. And I think, and I think a lot of men either don't know that they don't realize that. um, And so then they just sort of get frustrated or impatient 
But if like every man approached saying, okay, I got a good hour. <laughs> I have a good hour to take to, you know, try to make this happen yeah. in whatever form or fashion. Then we just give permission for ourselves to just explore. Mm. Yeah. I think, I think when you're patient with a woman as a man as well, then you become more patient with yourself as well. So it's not mm. just about them, it's about you as well. So you'll learn more about yourself, about if you force yourself, then, then it's going to turn you off as well. You don't, you're still vulnerable to that as well as the woman is. So, and I right. think frustrated if they take a while to get the woman in the mood and then they've turned themselves off from <laughs> some reason somehow in the process yeah. and they might get frustrated and like oh shit no I'm, no I'm not in the mood <laughs> so that can happen as well at times but you gotta you gotta get through those those blocks yeah. well and, and so that happens and so then you know I, I mean I, I I really think what you said Kat is so important about having these open conversations with somebody yeah. Because if you can't have these open conversations with somebody, it's like you, you disconnect so much of who you show up as in your partnership. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I remember before when I, when I was, um, when I was describing what it was like before, it was like being cut off from from the world and feeling kind of like you've got, there's something not right with you Uh mentally because you want to explore this, this, you know, you set your sexuality and your sexual desires, but then your partner doesn't want to do that. And you obviously, you, you know, and in my mind, it's all like, cut talk to my family because that's a taboo and, and you know, it's just, um, yeah, really isolating. So I think it's important um, to be able to show up as, as truly as possible in order to get that out because, you know, it, it's only going to get worse if you don't talk about it. It's only going to cause more, more pain. Right. Right. So let me ask you about your challenges um, in communication. And I, I, want, I want you to talk about that because then I want you to tell about your, um, your short film about the awakening. Okay. Yeah. So, so how did this come about? Um, so the awakening came about was um, I, I had this, I had a dream and it was really really it was it was so vivid and realistic um and and what happened was that in the dream I was at work and I was at my desk and I suddenly felt this wave come over me of like you know when you're gonna faint and you kind of like and I felt it really strongly and in the dream I had a choice I kind of said I've got a choice I can fight this feeling or I can just go with it and faint Uh so in the dream I I just I decided to to faint (laughs) And then in the dream, so I was on the floor um, in this, from what looked like out to everyone on the outside was that I was laying on the floor unconscious. Uh-huh. But actually, I was very conscious. I was just, I wasn't moving, but I could see everything that was happening around me. And it was, it was kind of like what I'd imagine death to almost be like, is mm. once you're at the other side of, the fear there's kind of like this un like uninterrupted peace so while I was on the floor in the dream I could hear people saying Catherine Catherine and like wanting to help me get up but I was so peaceful with all this chaos around me it it was it was really really um it was it was like a spiritual awakening it was like 
this is what is at the other side of all of the bullshit that mm. I worry about and all of the chaos that I get stressed about. This is what it's like at the other side and you can get to it. Um, and I got to it in a dream and, you know, I, I still draw from that now when I'm stressed and I still think, oh, remember what that was like. You got there and you can get there again. And what happened was I told Andy about it and he was really, you really interested in it, weren't you? And, mm-hmm. and I wrote it out as, as a poem. Um, and then Andy decided to make a video for it. Mm-hmm. And that's how we got the short film. Yeah, before that, so, I'd also been writing this, this song or this like really short kind of thing, but I was thinking about having it for an opening for an album or something. So I think I might still do that. I'm not sure yet, but my music, with my music, I'm in and out of it. I don't know, I don't know if I'm going to keep going and it's like, you know, <laughs> I never know when I'm going to keep going or not because my creative stuff goes all over the place. But um, I was trying to create this, this um, dark energy because mm. I'm, in, I'm interested in that. So... And this, I just enjoyed making that, um, being in that vibration. So I created this music. And then when you were talking about your poem, I thought, actually, that's, that sounds like a lot of similar to my, the vibration I was creating. Because yeah. it, yeah. it sounded dark, but also liberating. And it was like, that's yeah. kind of what my music's about. So uh-huh. it's like finding darkness and being, being one with darkness and not seeing it as a bad thing because mm. dark, dark and light are opposing uh, forces or things that <laughs> aren't really... I call them complementary. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, that's it. The complementary, yeah, and yeah. you can't have light without dark. They have uh-huh. to be yeah, there. It's like the yin and yang. So that that was kind of me writing the music, and then thought, oh, I could actually put this on top of my music. Yeah. So I did it just as a track, and then then after I thought, oh, I could actually make a video about this. Yeah, and yeah. then or make a short film out of the music. So it's like a music video kind of. So then that's what made me think of that, and then I thought ideas of like having you walking through a tunnel, yeah, and then having you you. Um, lying down on the ground with your eyes up and looking around. So. Yeah, it was it was a collaborative process. We both worked on it together and, and we were talking about like I, I was like, oh let's drive to this location to film this and let's have let's do that and let's include this in it. And then you were working out all the cinematography and and what you know all the lighting and everything and it was really enjoyable. It was a really good project to do together. It was really cool. Thank you. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. it was really, really cool. Yeah, and uh, and sort of going back to that darkness. Yeah, it, the the concept of the dream to to most people would be very very dark and like oh my god, you know, you experience something like death, and most people wouldn't want to. Most people that you know, it's probably my family wouldn't want to hear that. They'd be like, oh my god, you know, we don't want to talk about that. But mm-hmm. it wasn't about fearing death. It was about accepting what's coming and then being in this moment of peace where you you are completely un you know, unaffected by everything that's happening around you, good or bad, and, and you're not reactive to it. Mm-hmm. Um, I, know, I think it feels it's almost like when you're ill. When you're ill, um, you kind of get to this point where you just don't take as much shit, you know what I mean? Yeah. Or, like, or like you don't try and smile at people and go, yeah. you know, it's that fake yeah. smile that you do. It's like, yeah. it's like can your face is kind of like, I don't really, I've, I've, lost, I've lost any of that kind of, I'm not giving any energies, energies to that anymore because I'm giving energy to, to sort mm-hmm. of just, and kind of getting by with, or like having given yourself rest when you're uh, when you're ill and stuff. Sometimes that feels like an enforcement of boundaries when you're ill. It's like I'm not even going to pretend to to laugh at your jokes or <laughs> do these other things that we do. Right. Like, it's almost like that. Answer. Yeah, yeah. It's kind of like I got to a point where I was run down and, and stressed, and I think my my uh, my spirit just needed a bit of 
a, a wake up rest. call and a bit of rest. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, and I, and I think too, because I've heard you say a couple of times, Andy, um, about the silence, you know, so it's really accepting that peace and that stillness and that silence. Mm. Yeah. Definitely. Yeah. Yeah. It was very much like you, I could still hear what was happening around me, but it was like being in silence at the same time. It, mm-hmm. it was, yeah, it really was. It was an amazing experience. Yeah. I, I, I would love to see many more of those. Oh yeah, yes. they're, yeah. Coming, they're definitely coming along. Yeah, because yeah. uh, we we want to do more poetry and we want to do more films yeah. and other things. And, and actually, the documentary actually shows behind the scenes of us making the Dark Awakening. So yeah, that's another thing to come as well. Uh huh. So tell so tell me because I know creativity is so important to both of you. Mm-hmm. Um, how has your creativity helped, um, like cement your relationship with each other and just you know, finding the fullness of expression of who both of you are as individuals and as a couple. Well, I remember when I was in, in bands before, like in high, in high school, um, and then I met Kat when I was in sixth form. So it was going, going from sixth form to university um, and beyond. But, well, actually, the, I was only in bands when I was in sixth form and then to university, and then I stopped being in bands for a bit. But um, through all, all the bands that I've been in, Kat was always there and being supportive of me and seeing deeper than just the disagreements and stuff like that. If we have disagreements, she'd always see past it. And, and I'd see past if she was in a mood with me or other things like that. And we'd always see past it and be aligned soul, souls and being like, mm-hmm. there's nothing that could shake this connection. Um, but with other bands, they came and came and went. It was almost like a spiritual journey for me of like spiritual lesson when people mm-hmm. say, this, uh, this too will pass kind of thing. The bands come and go and the creative projects come and go. But then we're, always, we're still together through all that. And it's like shows yeah. how strong our connection is. And I was always accepting of his creative work. You know, when, when he was in bands and he was going out with his friends and, and going to practices, I never, I, I always encouraged him to do that. I never said, oh, no, not tonight. It's date night tonight. Let's do this. I was always like, go and do it because this is who you are and this is what you love to do. And um, I think having that in the relationship has, has really helped because I've, I've been um, sort of like an, an anchor but at the same time, giving him that that freedom and not said to him, oh, no, no you can't go out and, and do that. Because that would limit his creativity. Mm-hmm. And then that would have caused more problems. But also, um, Andy helped me to get in touch with my creativity more as well. Mm-hmm. And, um, it, and now it's really fundamental in our relationship because we're both very creative people and we both see the talents in each other. And we hold each other accountable to share our to share our creativity and share our truth mm-hmm. and not to hide that from other people. Mm. I think there's another thing that's coming up for me is that some of the things that's harder for me, for me to talk, share about is like when I, in, in the past when I had negative um, behaviors that I would, that I would um, give out to cat. Like if I would make fun of what she was wearing or something like this, because of what I picked up from my surroundings and people, the laddish kind of sound of, um, atmosphere or behaviours that happen when they take this out of you and stuff like that. I think I ended up uh, sort of projecting that onto Kat. And then because she wasn't as, um, a strong character like other people, mm. if you know what I mean, because we were both introverted, so we both didn't yeah. stand, up our, stand up for ourselves much. So I, I was doing all this thing without being unconscious doing it and not realising how much it was affecting her. But then she wasn't telling me, like enforcing her boundaries, like don't do yeah. that. So then it kind of eventually did sort of tell me off or, or like say don't do that. And yeah. then I like, oh shit, I didn't realise I was even doing that. 
And yeah. then that was, that was like, even though it's harder for me to talk about that because it's look, make me look that great, <laughs> it's important to mention because that, that, was a, that was a journey that I had to go through to learn about myself and learn the bullshit I was carrying of other people's stuff. And then I realised and then taught, that, taught me a lesson of what I had in me that was not working and you had the intuition mm. to tell me. And it was like a limit. I, I allowed it to limit my creativity when Andy was saying things like, oh, what, what are you wearing that for or, or whatever. I was sometimes like trying to be creative and trying to express myself in what I was wearing. But then I took on his opinion too much and then that limited my creativity mm-hmm. in what I wore and how I had my hair. But then it, it leaked into other parts of my life and then I like didn't want to be creative at all at one point. I didn't even think I was creative and I just felt like, no, that's not me. I'm, I'm rubbish at that. I'm just going to be really plain. And, you know, so um, that's something that eventually kind of I got really fed up of and I said to him, this needs to change. Mm-hmm. And, yeah. and yeah. And, and Andy and Andy, you owned your shit. Yeah, so you've got to own it and be in, you can't be in denial because you've got to accept what's there before you change it. But also, like, even with, with you singing and stuff, like, I didn't, I was, like, a bit too much of a perfectionist, so then would, like, dis- disable you from singing even sometimes. Mm-hmm. And then, like, say, oh, you can't do, you can't do that. Oh, you can't sing right, something like that. Yeah. I wasn't seeing the potential. I was just, like, shutting down everything because I was shutting down myself a lot as well. I was mm-hmm. shutting down my own creative flow. So then I would shut down hers because of my own. So it's, like, people say that you're, you're, you're sort of projecting on other people the stuff that you um, you do this, like if you destruct yourself, you'll destruct other people basically. So if you start loving yourself more and more, then you'll actually love other people. So, I so it's, it's like your own insecurities that you're yeah. projecting, that you were projecting onto Kat. I think it was like my, my um, energy that I was always pro- trying to prove myself to people and be perfect and not have any flaws and like hide all the flaws, show my perfect, show the things that I think are good and uh-huh. useful or and engaging and entertaining. And it made me write good music in that, but then it also, can be this kind of destructive thing as well. That putting other people down and saying you can't do it and disabling them and saying don't even try, don't fail. I mean that's one of the messages. A lot of the messages that I had got as I was growing up, don't fail. So I was like obsessed with not failing. Then and, and sometimes I'd not even finish a creative project because I was I was like crippling myself, saying you've got to be perfect. So I would end up having a pretty good quality of work, but then what's the costs of it? You know what I mean? So then I had to realise that take the perfection away and be strive for excellence, but not perfection. And, and pick people up at where, from where they are and get them to grow. And if there's something that's not going that well, then just help them to show them what the problem is. But don't shut them down and say, don't do it at all kind of thing. Right, because I, I feel like a lot of people, they and I have these perfectionistic tendencies too, you know, mm-hmm. where I think it, every, everything has to be in place in order to put something out there. You know, because, oh, what if they judge me? What will they think of me? What if they laugh at me? You know, and you have, you have to face all of these insecurities. Mm-hmm. And, and while the two of you were talking, I was, I was thinking the, the word permission came to me. Mm-hmm. And it was like, you have to give yourself permission to be who mm-hmm. you are, just like you have to give each other permission to be who the other person is, you know, because when, and and I think that that sort of judgment and insecurity is what comes up when we're not giving the other person permission because we're not giving ourselves permission. Mm. Yeah. And then as you were talking then, Don, that just reminded me when you were talking about the perfectionism and not, um, you know, waiting for some, the perfect time to do something. Um, A couple of months back, um, 
some friends of ours were having a party and at the party they were um, having a spoken word event and it was like an open mic so different people could get up. Mm-hmm. And what Andy did was <laughs> he he told the people at the party that I was going to get up and do the poem and do a poem in front of everyone before telling me. And, told, Andy. and, and it was on <laughs> and it was on Facebook, so it was official and every and I was like, oh okay. But in a, an, an obvious, and I was really nervous and I was like, oh my God. And I think about ten minutes before I was due to go and I was like, oh my God, I want to go home. I want to kill Andy. Ah. <laughs> and and but afterwards I saw exactly why he did it and now I'm thankful that he did it because what I was doing was I, I had this poem that I'd never read to anyone before uh-huh. um, and it's called Material World and I've mentioned a bit more about that about uh, in the contact at the end. Um, I had written this poem and I'd never shared it and I was like sitting there waiting for that perfect opportunity for the right time, the right moment, the right feeling and Andy was just like, no, <laughs> you're not, you're not not waiting you go in and just do it (laughs) (laughs) so so I was like oh my god but I'm I'm so glad he did it now because if he hadn't have put that action into motion I would have just sat there and 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 not read it out and and I read it out again a couple of weeks ago at Mm -hmm. a spoken word open mic night in Leeds City Centre and again I probably would not have done that if Andy hadn't have done that initial action of pushing me to do it that first time because There's another moment there as well yeah. a similar moment yeah which one when because when she wanted to read a poem out at sunday practice this event she was saying oh i'm not sure i should read it out and i was like yeah and this is what we would have done last time if i'd not actually put you forward yeah <laughs> so she was yeah. questioning it before again, i was questioning like, it, again, I do it? Actually, I'm yeah. like, why are you questioning yourself to do it <laughs> yeah that's it and, and it's ironic because andy's andy has andy has more perfectionistic tendencies than what i do but in that moment you was like Fuck perfectionism just get yeah. up and do it and, uh-huh. and i'm glad i'm glad he did it now that's, that's, that's really... a great thing that's a great thing though about when you have flaws and like yeah i've become such a person like in my life i've been crippled by perfection but that's actually been a gift for me because i've turned it into working with people to help them about the, um, get past the perfection but at first it seems like you like teach a, you teach what you most need to learn that's it yeah, yeah. that's what i mean yeah yeah <laughs> it's like a, it seems like a curse at first and then you realize this actually, this actually isn't a curse because I can transform it into something that's great. And that's yeah. made me, even though I've probably got, I've had worse perfectionism than cats ever had in their life. Yes. I end up, I end up getting her out of her little perfection because I'm like, that's just a small thing. You should have yeah. seen what the fuck I went through. <laughs> <laughs> well, how do you, how do you feel like uh, your creativity is a mirror for your spirituality? I think it's like a bit, it's almost like, a creative art form is like a vehicle for your spiritual evolvement and evolution of like when you when you creatively express yourself and create it's like cre- creativity and spirituality it feels like the same thing to me because it's just creation like creation is it comes from source and and um, awareness and um, just the the nature of reality and like that sort of life force energy it's like you creativity is that life force energy which is what spirituality is all about so I don't really see them as different. It's just they're just so much the same, really, to me. And for me, a lot, a lot of my sort of work at the moment is about questioning things that have been limiting you in your life, because that's what I'm doing right now for myself. Is I'm is I'm looking at a lot of my old beliefs and saying, where has that come from? What can I do to change that? 
and so so my one of my poems is that material world is about that questioning um some of the things in your that you um some of the messages you received when you when you were growing up that were telling you you can't do this or you can't go there um so in terms of my spirituality at the moment my work is my my creativity is reflected in my own battle with my own uh, limiting beliefs and thoughts mm-hmm. and um finding a connection with your true self through trial and error of getting up on stage and potentially reading out a poem that could be a disaster and and that sort of thing so um so that's how it's reflecting me at the moment also also another thing yeah. is this is i see life now as a, st- as a stage this is kind of a download i got from like you say you get downloads from the universe uh-huh. my download was that, this, that life is the main stage so if you're on a stage it's just a little stage but the life is the main stage and it's mm-hmm. like when you if you're on if you're in public or like walking through town or if you're on a bus or and these people around you you can just look around and go i'm on a stage here mm-hmm. people can see me whatever i do I'm, in life you're always going to be seen and you're always on this stage so if you just if you see life as a stage, every moment is a stage, then all these other stages and things just seem like they don't really seem a big deal anymore. You're just like, I'm always on a stage, so let me just continue it on these little stages. <laughs> I'm, I'm always on a stage and I'm always going to F up sometimes. Yeah. yeah. So, just, so just accept it and just go on. It's just part of the human experience. Yeah, because everyone looks around and goes, oh, what should I do based on people's reactions? And it's like, don't do that. Just just do what you want to do and just don't, give a, don't care about people's reactions. <laughs> yeah. And it's like, if they enjoy it, they enjoy it. If they don't, they yeah. don't. <laughs> yeah. And it doesn't really matter. It doesn't really matter if they do or don't because it's more just about your expression. Yeah, it's about yeah. the process of expression yeah. and not the outcome of it, just the process and being in that flow. And uh-huh. Yeah, uh-huh. and just about um, sharing a perspective that might get people questioning some of their own thoughts. And, you know, uh, like, like with my poem, I, was, I, I didn't know if the audience at the party likes it or not, but that was beside the point. It was more that I had a message to share. If it resonated with people, great. If it didn't, it didn't matter because I got up there and I did it and I was sharing a truth. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's for you. It's for you. Yeah. And uh, if anyone else enjoys it, that's good as well. It's like you're just giving that vibration mm-hmm. um, respect with your own, the way you show up. And it's like, if anyone else enjoys the vibration, that's good. But it's for my own self-amusement. That's the way I look at it. Yeah. Yeah, that's, I, I think that's beautiful. I, I do, I believe that, that spirit um, creates through us, like that we are the conduit. And, and I know you've mentioned that word before, Andy. It's like, we are the conduits of how, um, how the universe wants to express through us, you know, mm-hmm. so that, so the things that light us up, that bring us joy, that um, not even just light us up, you know, but also make us uh, welcome the darkness and the silence and the peace too. You know, all of those things are experiences of the whole of, you know, humanity and divinity. It's mm-hmm. like we're all reflecting it all. Does that make sense? Does that make sense? Yeah, it does. And I'm also enjoying the, that you've done some research on me as well, which is interesting to see. <laughs> <laughs> of course. And, um, and I love, and your little, um, your monkey, Tony, Tony oh, yeah. and Rory. Yeah. <laughs> <just> cracked me. <laughs> <laughs> that's the thing. Exactly. Yeah, again, fun. like it's my amusement. That was my amusement. I get amused yeah. by it. And I, if anyone else does, that's great. But yeah. It's just about me. really. <laughs> <laughs> so I, I feel like the two of you have so much great 
creativity and, um, and expression and authenticity. Like you are just going to shine, <laughs> shine in the world. I mean, we'll accept your darkness and your silence, but you have so many gifts to share. I am so honored that you agreed to show up today with me. Oh, thank you. It's been yeah. great. It's been great it's been, to be here. It's been awesome to have, a, have a, this, yeah. this podcast as the first experience of us, uh, you know, the interview. Together, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Yay! So hopefully it's just the first of many. Yeah, yeah. It definitely. Will be. <laughs> okay. So my my last question that I ask all my guests is, what is your definition of real love? Um, <laughs> I think for me, it's just that that openness and and being able to be so vulnerable and. Um, you know, in our relationship, it it's like Andy has been there for me through so many difficult experiences in my life and where I've just been honest and I've told him exactly what I've thought and exactly how I felt. And, and I just think part of real love is just being able to, to become totally vulnerable in front of your partner and for them not to judge you and not to see it as an opportunity to harm you either. Because I think... Um, in, in some cases, you know, some, you know, you can, if you're more vulnerable, you, sometimes you can be open to manipulation and, and that mm-hmm. sort of thing. And I just think Andy has facilitated some of my emotions and he's just been, and he has just been so understanding. And mm-hmm. um, so I think that's another part of it as well, as bringing in that, that understanding and, and almost like unconditional love mm-hmm. as well. Mm-hmm. It's like yeah. as well, if you did instead of having that one up manship or whatever, like yeah. sometimes couples say, Oh yeah, I'm going to keep that, hold that over him or hold that over. Or something. Yeah, yeah. You know, I don't like doing any of that stuff. So yeah. I think, I don't think that's not love if you're doing that. I think. Yeah. So I think, um, I think what love is really is just this sort of dissolvement of, of separation, just like mm. unity really what love is. You just, yeah. you feel a feeling of unity and like, you don't even, sometimes you forget you're even separate beings. You yeah. just like, you just mm. uh, um, feel like it's just one, you know, yeah. one's, and I think owning your bullshit as well, you, um, yeah. you know, and, and just saying, you know, I'm sorry, I really messed up there. And just being able to go back and reflect instead of like what Andy said, instead of just holding it against someone um, or against your partner, think about, well, why am I doing that? And then, you know, just admitting, you know, I did this because it reminded me when this happened or, you know, that kind of thing, just instead of hiding it. Cause you do, you know, in it, you know, you do hear about it in relationships and you see it in TV shows as well, where people hide something in a relationship and it's like something that could have been sorted out in two minutes that becomes this whole thing that sort of, right. becomes, yeah, becomes a massive thing. And I think part of real love is being able to, to say that to the partner and say, or to your partner and say, you know, I really fucked up there. I'm sorry. Communication. Yeah. yeah. Communication. Yeah. Just communicate. Communication is yeah. big if you don't, if like, cause for you sometimes it, in the past, the, um, there was things that you didn't tell me, but then mm. it came out. They always come out eventually, but it's just yeah. like this fear of telling, of being open fully, even though you were open a lot and honest. And hard yeah. for you to not be honest, but then yeah. sometimes it, the, your mind would take over so much that you that it, it tell you start telling your fearful yeah. thoughts. I'm like, can't tell him that, or he's going to leave now. Can't yeah. tell him that, or this is yeah. going to happen, or catastrophes are going to happen, um, that kind of thing. Yeah. Then when we talk about it, it's like not a big deal, really. Not mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So giving, giving each other permission to just show up and be. Yeah. 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 You guys are a beautiful, beautiful couple. 
Oh, thank you. Yeah, it's been such a pleasure to have you on today. So if so, um, so that my, that our listeners can find more of your work and yourself, where can they where can they contact you? How can they find you? Um, for, so for my for my stuff, my coaching, I've got a website called CoachAndy.co.uk and um, a Facebook page as well, CoachAndyHorry. And um, you can add Cat Francis as well. Yeah, um, <laughs> I'm, at the follow moment me. I'm on Facebook. So um, if you if you go through Andy, you'll probably find me on Facebook. Um, and I'm and I'm under the name of Cat Francis. And uh, for anybody who wants to check out my poem and uh, other little bits that I've done, um, they can just drop me a message on Facebook and or send me a friend request. Cool. And um, yeah, they can have a look. And I, I think, Andy, that you need to officially document her reading her poem. Mm. Yeah. Okay. I think it, I've, got a, I've got a recording at this. I've got a recording of you. Oh, uh, yeah, he recorded practice. me. He so, recorded me reading out the poem. And I'm going to be more recording as well when we go, yeah. when we go to things. Like, I had to use, you had to, I actually bought, brought a mic along with me to get a good quality, and then it ended up running out of battery. So it's not the greatest audio. Oops. But, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it took, took his big camera and his uh, microphone, but in the end, did, did you use your phone in the end? I used the camera, oh, but I just didn't yeah. use the good audio, so yeah. next time I'm going to get a better audio, so I don't know if I'm going to use that other footage, but we put it yeah. on Facebook, so there's her poem, Material Girls, she reads out something. Oh uh, yeah, and Material Worlds, yeah. Oh, Material Worlds. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. She read that out at uh, Sunday practice and we recorded yeah. that. And I, record, and I recorded my poem, Sexual Magic, as well. Yeah. And I got the, the energy. I, I saw that. I love that. <laughs> oh, Little so drawings, any racings, the drawings, any racings. Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. That was it, yeah. And oh, also, yeah. also my performance is lots of different practices. Yeah. 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 <laughs> well, I look forward to much more cre- creative uh, projects coming out of both of you. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah. Yeah. So um, thank you so much for being here. And um, y'all are more than welcome to come on anytime. Your pleasure. Pleasure, pleasure, pleasure. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, okay, so if you like, for my listeners, if you like what you heard today, please subscribe to the Wake Up to Real Love podcast and share with all of your friends around the world. And if you would like support in finding more connection, expansion, freedom, authenticity, and acceptance in your own relationships, you can find me on Facebook and Instagram at The Awakening with Dawn. Feel free to send me a message and I'd be honored to help you find and create more real love in your life. And we have touched on this several times over our talk. Um, The thing that I like to end my podcast with is the most important relationship you'll ever have is the one with yourself so that you can be the kind of partner that you want to have. So thank you very much, Andy and Kat, for being here today. It was a pure honor and pleasure. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you so much. All right, listeners, we will see you next time. Um, Challenge yourself to wake up to real love every day. All right, take care. Bye.